Hello and welcome. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Lily. And this is Little Home Organised, a podcast dedicated to helping you declutter, get organised and reclaim time for the things you love. Being a mother for the first time, woo, that is challenging. <laughs> it's, it's like that dress in the cupboard that we look at every time and think, maybe next time when I wear it, I'll actually like it on me. And so we keep it and we try it again and it looks terrible and we, we just keep doing it but to maybe ourselves. Maybe if I tried it with these shoes. <laughs> The dress just has to go. (laughs) Hello and welcome. This week's episode is all about rhythms and routines and how to organise your day. We'll chat about why having a plan will serve you better than winging it and how you can help your kids organise their day no matter how old they are. And if you're looking to get organised right now, you can head to littlehomeorganised.com.au forward slash organising cheat sheet. We've created a free five-step system that helps you get your household a bit more organised and you can jump on that and get started. Now, Lil, I have to admit that when I have no plan for the following day, I find that I get to the end of that day and I feel really discombobulated. I like that word. Holy dooly. That's a good one. What does that mean? It just means out of sorts, really. Okay. But it's a fancy word and it makes me feel really academic saying it. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true. Like I get to the end of the day and if I haven't achieved what I wanted to achieve because I haven't had a plan... It means that I just get to the end of the day and feel like I've wasted my time. I definitely think that if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. If we don't start our day intentionally or have a plan in place, then the things that matter most to us may not actually be at the forefront and may not get achieved. And so when we think about organising our time, it's important to consider a structure of some sort to help us achieve that. And what we're going to talk about today is actually not going to be pro schedule from minute to minute to minute. And it's not going to be pro fly by the seat of our pants. Let's just wing it. We're going to be talking about that juicy part in the middle, which is all about having rhythm. So having some flow to your day, um, but also having a routine and how that will best serve you and your family. So it's all about finding the balance and what works for you rather than saying we're pro one way or the other. Yeah, for sure. And you'll be more up one end or more up the other end, and that's fine. So to get started, let's talk about what a routine actually is. So a routine simply is a sequence of actions that we regularly follow. And then when you think about a rhythm, that is an extension of that. So if I have a routine in place that I get up in the morning, get my kids ready, we go to hop in the car, drop them at school, I come home and do some household tasks or I go to work and then I pick up my kids and then we have afternoon play and then we have dinner and then we go to bed. That's a routine. And then when you think about the rhythm of the day, the rhythm of the day is kind of the flow and the way that things like go from one moment into another. In our work with our clients, it really helps a lot of parents for us to actually break down the day into three sections and three different routines as well. So often we'll help clients work out their morning routine, so getting everybody out the door, the afternoon routine of when everybody comes back in and you're preparing for dinner and baths and showers, and then an evening routine. So this might be after dinner or after the kids have gone to bed if you've got younger kids. And I think that really helps to break it up into those three kind of routines because then you can plan a morning, an afternoon or an evening routine and not have to worry too much about the whole day in one big chunk because I think that overwhelms people. 
Yes. And isn't it interesting how when you think about your morning routine and your afternoon routine when you have small children, time is a void. Like it is so quick and so gone. And so if you're starting out your day and you haven't got a really set good morning routine and afternoon routine with those kids, it is chaos and things just happen so quickly. That's right. And and then you just, yeah, you feel like your time got sucked away from you and you never get that time back. Yeah. So I wanted to define what a rhythm actually is because if you're not sure what a rhythm is as opposed to a routine, a rhythm is more of a flow. A rhythm is where tasks flow seamlessly one into the other. So you might structure your daily rhythm using anchors. So anchors are certain points in the day that are pretty set in place. That's what an anchor is. It grounds you. So you might use your meals as anchors and you might say, we're having breakfast around 7 a.m. And we need to do that anchor of everybody having breakfast at 7 a.m. because otherwise we're not going to be out of the door getting ready for school on our way to work by 7.30 or 8 o'clock or whatever your timing is. So that's one anchor for you. Your next anchor might be lunchtime. And so you've got this gap between when you come home from school drop-off and between lunch where you might say, I'm planning to get these three activities done. But it doesn't have to be that at 11 o'clock I do this, at 12 o'clock I do this, and that's where the flow comes in. That's exactly right. So your anchor points might be very different depending on what your day looks like. You might be at work and you might use meal times or meeting times to help structure your day. So a lot of workplaces might start with a staff meeting in the morning and that's your first anchor point. Well, I have to be at work for the staff meeting. And then between that and the next meeting, I've got an hour and a half. So I'm going to try and get these two or three tasks done in between that time. And I think the other thing that's really important to remember, if you're aiming for an ideal rhythm, you need to have a healthy balance of being versus doing activities. So this is like the yoga side of things, the breathing in and the breathing out. So the breathing in is when we're refilling our cup, we're having a cup of tea, we're sitting down and reading uh, a blog post that we really want to read. We're recharging ourselves. And then the doing side of activities is the output, the breathing out. That's when we're doing the washing, we're doing the dishes, we're cooking a meal, we're having a meeting. So that's the filling other people's cups and the giving out to others. Yeah. And it's really important that there is a balance in how we organize our time to have that breath in and that breath out, as you say, the being versus the doing. When we think of it visually, you can imagine that all of us are a big jug of water. And if we're to pour out things for just functionally in our house or pour out from ourselves for other people, the water has to come from our jug. But if we aren't refueling, if we aren't breathing in, if we aren't taking time for ourselves in our day and how we organize our time, our jug will be empty. And how can you expect to fill someone else's jug if you've got nothing left? And so having the in and out throughout your day is essential. That's a really great visual. And I think what's really important to point out here as well is why is it important to have some sort of structure to your day? And I think for me as a mum, the most important reason I can think of is that it helps me plan my day better so that I can make a little bit of time to recharge myself. So If you're someone who likes to do adult colouring in or to sew or to craft or to watch an episode on a streaming service, whatever it is that recharges you, 
when you structure your day with a daily rhythm or a flow, it actually allows you to plan some time in there for yourself. Because you know, as a mother, it's difficult to get time to go to the toilet by yourself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it is important that we do find those little pockets of time in the day. And the thing is, if we just fly by the seat of our pants, before you know it, time has just gone racing by and all the good intentions you had at the start of the day just has slipped away. That's true. And, you know, to be really successful with your daily rhythm, those tasks that you do every day, they have to become like second nature. It has to become like driving your car. Do you know how many times I have rocked up at, you know, grandparent care and thought, I don't even remember the drive here? Yes. It's a bit scary, isn't it? But it's terrifying to think there's many people on the road who are doing that. Yes, it is. So that's using your procedural memory. So that is that. That's a big word. Yeah. Oh, there we go. My big <laughs> word for the episode. <laughs> so the procedural memory is those tasks that we do and it's robotic. It's become just a, a part of our brain that uses it doesn't need to be in the high function basically. So like when I hop in the car and I'm a learner driver – It's not yet procedural memory for me necessarily yet because I'm so hyper aware of looking up at the mirror and everything. But now as an experienced driver for many, many years, I just hop in the car, I turn it on. I I don't have to think twice about it. Mm. Yeah. So that's often where we can like lull and you can be doing some of your best thoughts when you're driving your car or when you're in your shower because you're not having to think about how do I wash myself? You just know how to do it. And, you know, I got so lost in my thoughts coming home from a drop off the other day that I actually stopped at a green arrow and I got beeped because it was like come on what are you doing it's a green arrow and I thought oh sorry I'm just I'm just obviously way too off in la la land and I've got to focus and and get back to (laughs) what I'm doing and that's driving a very dangerous automobile (laughs) so I want to talk a little bit about schedules because I know that a lot of people feel like a schedule a daily schedule that outlines every 15 minute increment Mm. is the way to go but I just don't feel like it's necessarily for everyone. Totally depends on the person, but I feel that they can be crippling of providing the space for creativity and flexibility. So I'll give a personal example. I worked for an amazing summer camp in the US and camp has to run on a strict schedule because they're managing hundreds of children and hundreds of people. And so it is quite regimented in the timing. Everything's marked with a bell. So the bell rings, we're off to the next thing. There's always adequate time for the children to do what they need to within their program time. But once that bell rings, you stop what you're doing and you go on to the next thing. And if there was a moment there for me or for for a child engaging in the activity to really get creative and explore and it was like going up towards the end of the scheduled time, they would obviously have to stop because they've got to go off to do the next thing. And so that's just a part of life. But you can also see how in a different environment, say they're at home during school holidays and you're saying, oh, all right, we've got crafts from 10 till 11 and then we're going to have outdoor activity time from 11 till 12. And your child is just off it that day or they're just getting really creative and passionate about a project that they're doing. That schedule is going to not serve you. That's where the ebb and flow of just kind of having a bit of a rhythm to your day is much more important. I love those words, ebb and flow, because I think we can use those, that visual of the water 
in a lot of areas in our life when it comes to organisation. So the ebb and flow of clutter coming into our lives and the ebb and flow of starting one activity and moving on to the other, that transition, I think that's really important. And I think something we often forget to do is actually create buffer time between some of our transitions. So me, for example, I... I'm great at organizing. I'm great at decluttering. I'm great at letting go of things. My time management skills are actually not all that fantastic. And the amount of times I have actually turned up right on time or a little bit later than I would like to, to a time management workshop that I'm actually giving is countless. Oh, I just think that's gold. It must it must humanize you to the people who are sitting there waiting for this this lady who's about to talk about organisation. It's a very humbling experience and I think everybody there actually has a good laugh about it because they realise, oh, I don't actually have to be perfect. She's not perfect, so why should I try and be? And that's it. Like our motto is definitely progress, progress. not perfection. That's 100%. So we're talking about how being too scheduled is not a positive thing. But also having no structure and just winging it, that doesn't serve you either. You cannot plan your day if you don't know the things that you want to achieve throughout that day. You're constantly going to be putting out fires when they pop up left, right and centre because there isn't a plan in place. And then you start to move into a mindset of reacting to things as they happen instead of being proactive to prevent those things that happen. And that is going to be chewing up a lot of your time. I think this whole idea of being preventative rather than having to find a cure, the prevention is better than the cure, that's really important. The other thing I think that's really good to remember when starting a daily rhythm or implementing one is that that intentionality then turns a thought into an action. So it's not just a pipe dream anymore. You're actually turning that dream, that goal into a reality. Yeah, so if it's really important to you that you have time for yourself and you're not able to find that in your day, you do need to plan it in your day, especially if it's not currently a habit. And rather than having it be a dream of, oh, I wish I had time to sit down and have a hot cup of tea and read a book for 20 minutes. If that's not currently happening for you, wishing for it is not going to happen. Something has to change. It hasn't happened up until now. So if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to keep getting the same result. That sounds like the definition of insanity. Yeah. (laughs) Doing the same thing repeatedly, but expecting a different result. And isn't it funny how we're all a little bit insane? Oh, we are. And it's, it's like that dress in the cupboard that we look at every time and think, maybe next time when I wear it, I'll actually like it on me. And so we keep it and we try it again and it looks terrible and we... We just keep doing it but to maybe ourselves. maybe if I tried it with these shoes. <laughs> but maybe if my hair was pulled back that time. But maybe mm. if I dyed my hair. But maybe if I actually changed everything else about the way I look that day, yeah. the dress will work. <laughs> the dress just has to go. Yeah. <laughs> so how do we go about scheduling our day then if we don't want to be too regimented and we don't want to be absolutely loosey-goosey? So when we're scheduling our daily rhythm, it's great to have those anchors and then to say, okay, I'm going to plan these couple of tasks in between. And I think on a grander scale beyond your daily rhythm, but looking at your weekly or your monthly rhythm, it's really important for you to actually schedule in things like dates with your spouse. And um, one little tip that Peter Janetsky gave me a couple of years ago, he's a local psychologist, is 
the uh, idea of scheduling in recovery time. And so after you've had a really intense couple of days or a week away or a conference or whatever it is that's been really busy and really intense, you schedule in with your spouse and your family. Okay, I'm taking these two to three hours or half a day or a whole day or whatever the time frame is. And I'm having recovery time. That means I'm not going to be involved as a parent. I'm going to just do whatever it is that I need to recharge me. So for example, in our family, there's been times where my husband has been very busy doing, you know, 12 hour shifts for a couple of days in a row, or he's, he's done night work for a week and he has needed some time to catch up. And me being who I am, I like to give him lots of jobs to do, which I think he loves. And so what we'll do now is if he has a row of night work is we'll actually say, okay, on your four or five days off afterwards, this is going to be the recovery day. And he's like, I don't want anything booked in for that day. I just want to be able to sleep in. What a great idea. Yeah, it is. It really is. And it, I think it's really helpful, especially when you've got one partner who's not a morning person. It helps knowing that on that recovery day that you're not expecting them to get up and they're struggling to get up because they're so tired and their body is trying to recover from that week of night shift. So it just helps the communication, I think, between spouses and it helps you have a bit more of a plan and it means that you're not putting your expectations on someone else that are unrealistic. So at the start, we said that, you know, that well-known motto, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And this is not just about your emotional and mental health. It is also about the physical tasks that you want to achieve in your day to day. And everything that we're talking about is if I can make some kind of plan, it doesn't have to be too loosey goosey. It doesn't have to be too regimented, but if I can implement some flow and some rhythm to my day with my family, I'm going to achieve more of the things that I want to achieve. I'm going to be more intentional with my time. And as we know, time is a finite resource. Okay, must be time now for this week's Clutter Confessions. Clutter Confessions. (laughs) Hey, Bonnie and Lil. My Clutter Confession is bulk self-help books that I call my good intention books that I will read one day, but I know that I never will and I never have. But no, they sit just staring at me on bedside tables and on bookshelves, hoping that one day I will have the good intention of reading them. Oh, love a good self-help book. (laughs) I have to admit, books are a really big crutch for me. They are for me too. Self-help books in particular. I am an avid reader and I love learning and I love all the self-help books. So I know that when my collection is exhausted, I'm going there. Books are one of those hard ones to declutter because I feel like knowledge is so valuable. And so there's this, uh, it's almost like we want to protect books. Like they are this like sacred item and we find them really hard to let go of. But it's also interesting that everything you can find in a book, basically you can find in a digital form now too. You know, I think it's a fear factor that makes us hold on to books because we think, what if that one piece of information that would change my life is in that book? And that's why people who have hoarding disorder hold on to newspapers and things like that, because they're worried that there's a piece of information in there that's going to change their life and they might miss it. And it might be really, really important. Mm. So that's where I think the self-help book clutter comes into it because we want to be the best version 
yes. ourselves. And it's and what if something in that book helps me change how I live my life? Exactly. And if it transforms my life in a positive way, then why would I get rid of that item? Well, speaking of things that have changed my life, being a mother for the first time, whoo, that is challenging. Baptism but, of fire. Oh, mate. No matter how many people tell you it is like being thrown in the deep end, you just don't know how deep that water is until and you're there. you're a really good swimmer too. Oh, oh thank you. <laughs> uh, no, but now I want to talk about routines and rhythms and how we can implement them with our kids because for those of us who do have children, it doesn't matter if they're a baby in primary school or high school, organising your time, especially when you have kids, helps you have a successful day. And we always want to be setting ourselves up for success. So now that you have a baby, what helps you as a mother know what's coming and be able to prepare for it? Gosh, so so much of it is new. My simplest answer is routine. And the clearest example I can give of is bedtimes. So we have a set routine and my four-month-old in recent weeks has come to really learn when certain things start happening, this means I'm about to be put to bed and he is not necessarily on board for that. So his, his routine for getting ready for sleep uh, will be after he's had his wake time and it's getting and he's showing me the cues that it's time to go to bed. We will put him in his sleeping bag. We'll sit down. We read a story together and I make sure if the blinds are going to be closed that I've closed the blinds and if it's nighttime, we turn on the white noise and then we sing our special song. And then I tell him, you know, I love him and that he's going to have a good sleep. And I put him down in his cot and I walk away. And he now knows, oh, this means bedtime. And it helps him actually relax and accept the fact that it's time for sleep. And when I know that I can expect that he's going to sleep well during the day, that helps me plan my day because I have a rough idea of the times I'm going to have in between his sleeps because he has been in, you know, somewhat of a rhythm to be able to know what I can get done. And I think back to all three of my kids and when they got to that age at, you know, similar age to four to six months and they started to learn what the rhythms and routines were before bed, I loved seeing how they actually ended up smiling when I was putting them to bed and the amount of times that I would start singing that sleep song and they're smiling at me because they're happy and they know the predictability of what's coming next, that's that's a beautiful thing. And as a mum, when you're struggling with sleepless nights and trying to get the kid to do what it should or what the textbooks say that he should or she should, it's really encouraging to get to the end of the day and have your baby smile when you're putting them down to sleep and be actually happy that you're leaving them. Yeah, yeah, and... It has been because we have had a routine and it has helped him know how things flow. But also having a routine has helped me plan my day in going out and about because I know he has a certain wake time for his age because I know roughly how long he sleeps at certain times of the day because we have a set start and finish time. So you have anchor points. I have anchor points. That's exactly it. So my anchor point is a 7 a.m. wake up time. Mm-hmm. And he's now at a point where he sometimes wakes up, say, like half an hour before that. But he's just happy to chill in his uh, cot. And then I pick him up at 7. And then his bedtime 7 p.m. 
And so those are my anchor points in the day. And then kind of whatever happens in the day happens. But I know roughly, oh, once he wakes up at seven, he's going to be awake for roughly this long. He'll sleep for roughly this long. Then he'll be awake for roughly this long. And then I know that every time I go to put him down to bed, unless something unusual is happening, unless I've missed sleepy cues, unless he's teething, there will be somewhat of an expected flow to our day. And then what happens in between? I don't have at nine, you know, at eight o'clock, we are going to go for a walk down this street and then we're going to come back and have 10 minutes of tummy time and then we're going to put you in the jolly jumper. We don't do any of that stuff. I just know, oh, I'd like him to have a crack in the jolly jumper once today because I know how much he loves it. I really like to get him to have some outside time today. I know that he also likes to have some nappy free time. And so I just make sure that at some point in the day, those things happen. And that is where it's more of a rhythm and a flow than a set strict structure. But it's also not so loosey goosey that I don't have any intentions for things for him throughout the day because he is constantly learning and I don't want him to be a potato. So I need to make sure that I, you know, put some effort in with him. (laughs) (laughs) So as a teacher, one of the things I found really beneficial and I'm a primary school teacher One of the things that was very beneficial for me in my classroom is having a picture storyboard up of what the day was going to be like. And that really helped kids who had ASD or even ADHD to know this is what's coming. Because when kids have something that's unknown, there's a bit more fear around it. So we would just have these simple pictures that might have, okay, story time at the beginning, then we're going to do maths, then we're going to do English, then it'll be morning tea, then it might be science and SOS, and then lunchtime, and then in the afternoon it might be creative arts and music or something like that. And having that picture storyboard just really helps the whole class know this is where we're going. This is what's coming next. And that's something that can be implemented in the home as well, especially if you've got an ASD child, because those pictures really help play out the story and you can get as detailed as you want. So if you've got a child who's struggling to dress themselves, you can actually put those pictures in order for them. A picture of them waking up, a picture of them making their bed, a picture of them opening their curtains or their windows, and then a picture of them pulling out pants, shirt, socks, shoes, that kind of thing. So you can be as detailed as you want, but just having that picture storyboard put out there really does help kids to know what's coming next and it saves on a lot of tantrums of oh I don't want to do that because they know that's what's expected. So for example let's say you would like your children to do chores which might I add is a great idea they they should be helping the house even really small children can do chores but what you can do when you're laying things out at home is you might have Wednesday and then each child's name and then what chore they need to do I would suggest having them complete the chore at some time during that day. I don't think a set time for chores is necessarily what works best for everyone. So being flexible on that front can be a good way to get your child to know, okay, you have this responsibility. I'm going to provide you a bit of space and room to get that chore done in your time. And if you cannot complete that task, then I'll tell you when you need to do that. And keeping in mind, this is probably more suitable to older children than younger children. I think chores and uh, reward systems are a whole other episode that we will need to get into later because I know that there are a lot of families who really struggle with teaching their kids to help out around the house and I think it's really important for, for them to learn how to be fully functioning adults. 
And thinking along that line, when you're talking about older children and rhythms and routines, a rhythm and a routine helps prepare your high schooler or your university age student for life in the real world. And that's really our goal as parents is to train up our children to become fully functioning independent adults who leave the home and go off and start their own lives without us. And having that rhythm and the routine prepares them for workforces. It prepares them for university or college and being able to do tertiary study. Because imagine if you've got a kid that has never actually had a set routine or rhythm to the day and all of a sudden they've got a job where they have to be there at 9am every day. Chances are they're going to be late frequently because they're just not used to a certain wake up time. They're used to loosey goosey, as you like to say. (laughs) But also keep in mind that rhythms and routines are not just for students who decide to go on and do tertiary education. Rhythms and routines are applicable in any job. And if you're getting to the office or the work site, it will be at a set time. There will be set tasks you need to achieve. And so helping our children know how to use a set amount of time to achieve things is really important. So just to summarize, to create the ideal daily rhythm, having a balance of doing and being tasks is really important. It's also important to have some sort of structure in your day, whether it's a rhythm with anchors or a routine or a schedule, because if you have nothing, then it's unpredictable. And kids especially need predictability. And we as parents need to know that we can block out some time for us to have a cup of tea or to have a recharge. And more importantly, we want to role model to our kids what success looks like. And you want to be able to teach them that knowing that you're setting that right example. So when you're getting organized, it is important to be intentional with your time. Make a rough plan for what you want to have happen during that day. If getting organized is something you'd like to do, but you're not sure where to start, download our free organizing cheat sheet from littlehomeorganized.com.au forward slash organizing cheat sheet. These are the five P's that we use to organize any and every space in the home. So now it's time for this week's tidy task. So this week's tidy task is a gap analysis. And what I want you to do is get a big piece of paper and draw a bridge. And on one side of the bridge, I want you to draw your current routine or rhythms. And underneath it, I want you to put down there what your daily rhythm or routine is. Use numbers, use dot points, use pictures, however it works for you. On the other side of the bridge, I want you to put your ideal rhythm or routine. And then what you need to do in the middle is actually write down some dot points or ideas that help you bridge the gap from what you're currently doing to what you ideally want to do. So the idea of the bridge is to make the end goal more achievable. Sometimes the end goal is just a little bit out of reach. So let's start implementing some things to get us closer to that end goal. And that's it for this week's episode. We want to thank you guys so much for tuning in. We know how busy life can be and we really appreciate you lending us your ears. And remember, progress, not perfection. See you later. Bye. 
Hey, we'd love to keep the conversation going. Head over to the Little Home Organised Community Group on Facebook, ask questions, find motivation and share your before and afters. And if you enjoyed the show, please help us keep it going by hitting subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. It's free and ensures you do not miss an episode. But if you really want to share the love, leave us a rating and review. Trust me, it makes all the difference in the world. Thank you.